What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Rob and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Rob Goldberger. And uh, before we start today, I actually just want to say, if you haven't already, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we had a lot of new viewers um, on the last episode in the mock drafts. Um, obviously, those are doing very well. So if you're new to the channel, if you like what you're seeing, just drop a subscribe. We appreciate it greatly. Drop a like as well. Um, We'd really appreciate it. Um, but with that today, um, we're going to be talking a lot has been happening in sports this week. Um, we're not going to be doing a mock draft. We'll do two more the next two weeks before the draft, but we're going to take the week off. But today we are going to focus on the MLB, the NBA, and then we'll talk about a few other things real quick. But we are going to start today with the MLB. Obviously, opening day was this past Thursday. Very exciting. Um, baseball's back. A lot of good games so far. Um, I mean, the, the Yankees opening day was a, a crazy finish. Um, there's been some, uh, the Blue Jays Rangers, I believe the first game of the season, hectic game. Um, you know, we've seen the debuts of Bobby Witt Jr., Julio Rodriguez. Um, a lot of storyline so far. Both our teams at the moment are undefeated. The Mets are 3-0, the Phils are 2-0. They play starting tomorrow, a three-game set, which is, uh, you know, both of us are looking forward to. But, I mean, what are... Uh, I guess my question to you to start would be, you know, what are one or two storylines that have caught your eye so far early on in, you know, the first weekend of the season? I mean, obviously, I think the way the NLE, I think the biggest, the NL East has been, I think, obviously, is going to be just very tough this year. They're beating up on weak teams, obviously, but I think both the, you know, the, the, these teams are just teams that have very, you know, the, the, the Mets pitching, the, the, even like the Mets pitching is definitely one of the storylines that's caught my eye for spilling. We're talking about that. I mean, Chris Bassett, we talked about it, you know, a little bit yesterday, but he was, he, he was unreal yesterday. Uh, um, Kyle Gibson as well was unbelievable yesterday for the Bills. He threw seven scoreless. I mean, he was one of, you know, Sean Maniath, Sean Maniath almost had that, you know, he had no hits. Back to back. And then yeah. Tim Hill came in both games and gave it up. Yeah. Just, you know, he's got to feel like a, like a piece of crap. He better be buying them guys some dinner, but uh <laughs> Yeah, um, I think, like I said, uh, in terms of like a Mets-Phillies perspective, I'm just really excited for this Mets-Phillies on, for the series on, on Monday, Griff. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, Garrett Cole, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit rocky. But what, what, what are your thoughts so far, Griff? What, what do you think? What do you think yeah, I mean, you talk about the Mets pitching. I've definitely been impressed. I mean, obviously, beating up on a team like the Nationals is not, uh, you know, it's expected, and that's what you want to see. You want to see um, success. Um, but when you see guys like Tyler McGill put up five scoreless, Chris Bassett had a really good start, and these guys are, you know, striking out Juan Soto, giving him a hard time it makes you feel good and confident because Juan Soto is the best in, in baseball at the moment. So, um, you know, if, if those guys are striking out him, I think they're, they're in pretty good shape. Um, you know, the Mets, the, the one thing I'll say about the Mets is I just think the difference this year is just, I think the last year, I mean, you hear these players talk about last year that with the hitting coach situations, there was just too much analytics trying to complicate things so much that, that this year, Eric Chavez, the new hitting coach just wants to, simplify it have them thinking about essentially just nothing up there just trying to hit the baseball um but i think the difference of having guys like starling Marte, mark canna eduardo escobar it's already showing i mean these guys are veteran players who get on base they're good baseball players and it's just something that a team like the mets are lacking and i would say same thing can go to the phillies with nick castellanos and kyle schwarber these are just big league hitters who um you know it's not these placeholder kind of guys like for the phillies for instance i know some of their some of them are still starting but like an alec bohm type player who 
you know, he's one of these guys who has, you, you know, he's like, a, I'd say JD Davis is more successful, but similar in that regard. I think these are I guys that a better, you know, a better example is even like, like, let me say somebody who like, like an Andrew Knapp type of characters might be who you're referring to, or like, just, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I think like, these who, jer- like somebody, like the fact there's that always potential not- and you just kind of ride with that and they have one good year. And then you kind of hope with that. I think that it's just, you know, last year, you obviously had Conforto had a down year. I think a lot of Mets have down years, but this year they have big league veterans. There's not these guys who are inexperienced, kind of trying to find themselves. These are guys with, you know, sustained success at the big league level, which I think is, is a key difference for both the Mets and the Phillies because it just patches up so many spots. I mean, you already see Schwarber, Castellanos, they're killing the baseball. Uh, Marte, Canna, and Escobar have all been getting on base. So it's just differences, players like this, that I think, you know, honestly, I think it's, part of the the reason the Braves ended up winning the World Series is because, you know, those players they acquired at the deadline, guys like Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, you know, these are big league hitters. They're not superstars per se, but they're, you know, guys who get on base, they're better than, you know, the average player. And that's, you know, that makes such a difference sometimes when you have real big league hitters in there instead of these guys trying to find themselves as young players who just aren't quite at that level yet and, you know, aren't experienced. And I think, you know, it's clear that it's already making a difference. And Um, I think also like, uh, by the by 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 maybe the the opposite side of that coin is like having young guys actually step up is going to be like an important piece this year for obviously you know the Phil's pitching wise for sure and uh the the, the Mets over I think uh like with the just to add to your point like these are teams with guys we're, we're very NLEs focused right now as is now bound to happen it's going to be yeah, yeah as this year as it's bound to happen but I think like just this idea of like guys not being easy outs in the uh, in the lineup I think is just going to be so huge where yeah. there are so many guys where if you if you really got past the six hole in the Phil's order last year I mean you, you they really just didn't do anything <laughs> I mean like yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Mickey Moniak plays when, when, when he's back, because I think he's going to be able to walk into that, in, into that starting center field position because Matt Veerling has, has kind of stunk it up a little bit through the first couple of games, but we'll see. I mean, that's just, you know, that the center field position for the Phils is definitely the big question mark. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I think, you know, both the Mets and Phillies are, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the series coming up will be, I think indicative uh, somewhat of, of what to expect and, you know, we'll give them a first real challenge. Another, I mean, like you brought up, there's been a few starting pitchers though that have, uh, you know, struggled a little bit. Garrett Cole obviously did not have a great opening day start. Um, you know, you could look at Max Scherzer and say he didn't have his best stuff, but he got through six innings. He only gave up three runs. So to me, I mean, I, I wouldn't group him in that group. Brandon Woodruff, uh, really terrible start. And Corbin Burns also was not sensational. I mean, yeah. the Milwaukee Brewers, man, I mean, this is a team that, you know, I, if I'm being honest, um, I forget who I picked. I'm trying to see. I wonder if you I picked the Cardinals. Though. You picked the Cardinals. I picked the Cardinals. Yeah. I, I don't I, – I, I'll be honest. From what I've seen already with the Brewers, um, I, I don't I, – I, I, let's see. I'm trying to find NL – yeah, we both picked the Cardinals, right? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm worried about the Brewers. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, they've kind of struck out already uh, – stuck out already as a team that, you know, if that pitch, if that starting pitching's not there, it's going to be a really long season for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, but we we talked about it before, but like, I, I have faith in that pitching. Obviously, like I think Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Morton are like you, you. There's not much that needs to be said about these guys. I don't have any belief that they're going to struggle long term. But I think it just goes to show, like these guys, 
need to be superhuman in order for the Brit, like they were last year, you know, it's yeah. as good as they were last year and as great as these guys are, it's just hard to replicate that, that production yeah. from, from last year's season. And I think your point is sort of just like, you know, these guys have to be like the best in order for the, yeah. for the Brewers to, you know, win that NL central against a good Cardinals team. And I see what you're saying, but I, I, I do think like, having that combination of guys. It's also why, you know, I, I, I think the Mets are, are going to finish ahead of the Phillies this year. Uh, uh, personally, like if, if Jacob deGrom is healthy, which is a big, if obviously, uh, yeah. uh, you know, just like that combination of two elite guys is, is just so hard to stop. And like, Bassett, Bassett's so Bassett, like, Bassett yeah. always gets left out of the conversation. Like after watching a pitch, like this guy is like, he could finish the, with the lowest DRA out of any yeah. of those guys, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, from, Sorry to interrupt you, but I didn't even rest. No, no, yeah, 2018, yeah. 2018 to 2021, Chris Bassett had the third lowest ERA in the American League. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. And uh, I mean, I can jump to the if if that's that's a good segue. I just want to get something off my chest about the Oakland days. Like <laughs> they just threw out this guy, and I'm not even going to remember his name, and I'm going to call him number 54. And he threw like fifth, like 42 pitches in the eighth inning the other day, and allowed like four runs, and it was just like. He should have allowed way more because he got bowed out by like three lines. It was, he was terrible. And I was like, this is not an MLB pitcher. And I just want to say the Oakland A's are a disgrace to major league baseball. That's all I got to say about them. But listen, uh, how about Bobby Wood Jr. in Kansas city? He's been electric so far. Yeah. He's made a few, I mean, he's made some good plays, had some big hits. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about award predictions in a little bit, but I mean, yeah. I think that kid is uh, he's going to be special in that. You know, that AL Central all of a sudden is becoming very interesting. Yeah, I mean, definitely. the Chicago White Sox, day by day, it's just like another man goes down. I mean, right now Lance Lynn's out. They obviously traded Kimbrell for A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock just got hurt. Um, Garrett Garrett Crochet's out for the season. Lucas Giolito's going to miss at least two starts. I mean, the Chicago White Sox right now are uh, – I mean, they are crumbling, and they're crumbling fast. I mean, this, I mean how worried are you about this team? I mean, I still think they're going to win that division because I think that, like, even with the even with the injuries, I think they're still by far the best team in that division. I think, like, obviously, I you know I, I like the Royals, young guys. I like what the Royals might be building out there. But the Twins not- are interesting. I'll be honest. I, the wait, twins- and listen, like, the Twins have two superstar level players. Is the thing like Byron yeah. Buxton? It's 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 all about the health. It's all yeah. about the health. He's not quite as good, obviously. So don't take offense. But you know, he's sort of the the uh, position player Jacob Degrom, Degrom, yeah. where you know this guy is as talented almost as almost anybody in baseball, but he cannot stay healthy. And you know, they're certainly in that conversation if they can stay healthy. I mean, what what, what do you think about the Twins? Uh, when, when, I mean, I really like the Twins offseason. I think they had a sensational offseason. I think you know they bring in Carlos Correa. They already have Byron Buxton, Gary Sanchez. I mean, I'm not a fan of him per se, but you know. Yeah. You know, he's something. Gio Urshela, I think, you know, he's a quality defender, quality player. I mean, they've got good guys. They traded for Sonny Gray, Chris Paddock. I mean, they, they, they're they trying to win, and that's what you want to see in baseball. That's what, you know, the whole argument was during this lockout is that, you know, teams need to try and win. And, you know, the Twins are, you know, coming into the offseason, you know, I kind of, after last season, you look at the Twins and you're like, ah, oh, they they'll be whatever. They're not going to do anything. But, man, they went out and they're really trying to win, and, and, I don't know if they're quite at the level where they're going to be able to win this division or they're going to be able to squeak in the playoffs, but you at least have to commend them for, uh, for trying. And at least, you know, you know, they went out and, you know, gave Carlos Correa, you know, it was only three years, but $35 million a, a year to be, you know, the highest paid annual position player, I believe. I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. I think, 
the definitely the concern just like comes from like the back end of the back end of that rotation. I just don't think it's good enough to win that division. Like they just don't have yeah. anything. Uh, and I mean, I just don't see like a path. I picked them at the beginning of the year. Like I'm not going to change my prediction. You know, two days into the season, like I yeah. just the White Sox yeah. are going to win that division. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree for sure. And I mean, on the topic of a uh, of big contracts, Aaron Judge obviously was yeah. heavily in the headlines. I mean declining a seven-year, $213 million extension from the Yankees. Apparently, they were never even close to a contract extension. Pretty crazy, if I'm being honest. I mean, a guy who last season obviously managed to stay healthy, but before that was never really being, has never really been able to be on the field for an entire season. Declines more than $30 million per year, over $200 million. I mean, what do you think about that and, you know, what the future holds? I mean, you know, you hear that he says he wants to be a Yankee for life, but then you turn down something like that and it almost seems like, this could be it for Aaron judge on the Yankees. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think clearly he thinks that, you know, I I think clearly I'm not going to say something. I mean, I'm not going to say something stupid and just say like, he clearly thinks he can get more money somewhere else. Like if this is the case or from the Yankees and like, maybe that the, that's the, that's the best offer he's going to get from the Yankees though, for sure. I mean, I think that they're not going to move any, that that, those those are maybe a little higher maybe like two million annually per year or something like that but i don't think that's gonna move that's probably not gonna move i mean i think he's i think he's looking for a mega deal like i think like probably highest paid annual position like by a long shot is probably he's 30 years old though and that's the problem i mean you look at these guys yeah people don't realize hurt so much because he's been hurt so much he hasn't even played that much people don't realize how old he is yeah, because he came in the league late too. He's it's similar to Alonzo, I believe. It's like what, like twenty six when he came into the yeah, league. Yeah, twenty six or so. I mean, I, I I just think you know he's betting a, he's putting a huge gamble on himself because obviously when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in baseball. But if he has another season where he misses 30, 40 games, he he's probably just not going to get that level of money. And I mean, he's thirty years of age. You got to imagine if he's already having injury trouble now, what it's going to look like when he's 34, 35, 36. I mean, we never. This guy could be injured for whole years, really see a decline. I mean, we have no idea. Um, so he's obviously taking a huge gamble on himself. I mean, we'll see if it pays off. I mean, obviously, I think if he hit the open market today, he would probably get a bigger contract just because of, uh, you know, how much of a star he is. But, you know, he's got to play this season out, and this is a huge season for him. If he stays healthy, um, I think he will probably end up eclipsing that that margin and that, yeah. that amount. Um but if he does not, I, I mean, that's probably the best he's going to get. So he, he, you know, it's a true gamble on himself. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, he's a betting man, clearly. I mean, I, mean, I don't know who's the, I don't know if his agent's Boris or what. I mean, we, I mean, it's risky. I mean, you see these things go well for players. I mean, but at the same time, you know, Michael Conforto, who turned down over a hundred million dollars from the New York yeah, Mets, he's, he's still a free agent. And I mean, you hear Scott Boris say, Oh, there's a lot of teams interested, but we're a few games into the season. He's unsigned. And, no one's just going to hand out a hundred million dollar contract in the middle of the season. I think, you know, he'd be lucky to get like a one-year deal or, or a two-year deal. I mean, he might, it, that Michael Conforto situation is absolutely insane. It's, an, it's insane that this guy is just sitting at home right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it shows the, like, it depends how you look like. Uh, it, he should not have. I don't are understand the, why he didn't accept the, the, the qualifying offer. at all? No, I, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't think he fits in anywhere on the Mets at this point. I, who are you going to bench for him? Yeah, it's true. I mean, 
They've got so many guys at DH. They've got Canna, Nimmo, and Marte in the outfield. I mean, if they have an injury, sure, you can bring him yeah, in. Yeah, but... now there's the rumor, right, about that freaking – what's the thing? His in, he's injured somewhere on his arm. I yeah, he hurt his shoulder in the middle of the year, and which he's even, fine which now. Is even, but... Yeah, but if that's – now teams are probably scared off of that, that that even leaked. Like, yeah, I mean, the... I don't know how he didn't accept the qualifying offer because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean – he I think it shows that, money. you know, and the qualifying offer, I think, lots is something that it's so weird with the whole CBA stuff and what's going to happen with that. But, man, I mean, he is – I mean, that's just an idiotic decision because you had a one-year $20 million offer, but now since you've got this draft pick compensation, no one wants to – and this no one wants to pay this guy or, or give up. So why would someone give up a draft pick for one year of, of Michael Conforto? No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think – yeah. I want to say – like. It's it like it's it's crazy because I think like this is going to start to be a thing. Funny enough, like with more player agency and player movement in sports, I think you're going to start to see this more because like I think it's happened cross sports. Like I don't know if you know about this thing that's going on with the NBA. Um, like Ner- uh, Nerlens Noel is suing Clutch Sports and Rich Paul essentially because he gave them advice. Rich Paul gave him advice. He was offered like a four year seventy million dollar deal, and they're like take a deal. <laughs> that bet on yourself and you'll be able to get like a hundred plus million dollars in free agency. And it was like purely motivated to like make things easier for like um, clutch clients to like sign elsewhere and like benefit clutch as a whole. And I had no idea. And like um, he's like, this is what he's claiming in his lawsuit. And like, based on the whole, like the Ben, Ben Simmons obviously represented by rich Paul too. Like, like this is what you're going to start to see with like, player agency so i think the question that has to be asked i thought i've talked about it before is like how much of this is benefiting like the top 15 20 guys of the sport and how much how much of it is benefiting everybody else and i think it's different especially in a sport like baseball because you have so many hundreds of minor league players as well compared to like a sport like yeah like you know other pro sports yeah and apparently you know on literally the topic of that um you know there was rumor this week that carlos crea received a seven year or so yeah. offer from and the Cubs of over 30 million dollar deals but because of the agency switch he never even heard about it i mean it's insane that's crazy and he would have taken that like i think you gotta have thinking he would have yeah yeah i mean or they would have at least been able to negotiate something because i mean i think he wanted to be the highest paid position player but Man, I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Um, and I think it just shows, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, there's cases where it works out, but at the end of the day, how how much can you really trust your agent to uh, to do stuff and, and negotiate stuff for you? Because, you know, Scott Boris, obviously he's so successful with a lot of these guys who are like elite superstars, but I mean, he tells all his players they have free agency, don't really sign extensions, but with Michael Conforto, you're seeing a prime extension of, and that's the problem. I mean, at the end of the day, you're getting an offer for $100 million. I mean, you're going to be set for life. Your kids are going to be set for life. Your grandkids, your grandkids, grandkids are going to be set for life. I don't understand, like, the need to try and, like, not sign that contract to maybe get 10 to 20 more million dollars in, like, total. Like, he's probably, he was never going to get $200 million from anyone or even close. So if he's getting a contract extension for over $100 million, I don't really understand what else he's looking for because that's about the most anyone would pay a guy like him who's a bad defender, a solid hitter. But, I mean... Like, why would anyone give him $150, $200 million? I mean, it's insane. He's not – he can't defend. I mean, it's like I don't understand what this guy was thinking. I, yeah, I mean, I think it sucks, obviously. I mean, to watch, like <clears> – <throat> it's, it's, like, too as I'm doing, but I think it definitely sucks because, like, I think, like, 
it's so tough to like and sit here and analyze it too from an outside perspective because yeah. we don't like know we don't know everything at all obviously right? like we don't like there's always shit that comes out sorry for like you know years later about something that'll be you yeah. know something said in the documentary like the documentary but like yeah, I think it's just like that. That, that Carlos Correa story is absolutely absurd. It slipped my mind totally when talking about Nerlens Noel. But yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I think I, to me, uh, on the topic, if we want to get back to actual the the, the, the playing field, I mean, Dodgers, well, well, the, the, the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman. Actually, sorry, remain off the playing field. I meant to say. This whole uh, Ronald Acuna got himself into a little bit of trouble this past week uh, talking about, you know, maybe there's something we didn't know about why the Braves let Freddie Freeman go so easily. I mean, uh, that, that did not. I'll be happen. honest. If that was, I mean, and then, but the funniest thing to me is he said it in Spanish. People heard him <laughs> on his IG live and then he tried to deny it. I don't get that. I don't get how that makes I'll sense. I'll be honest. I mean, I obviously do not know Freddie Freeman. I'm obviously not in the Braves locker room. But from everything I've seen about Freddie Freeman, I think he is probably one of the nicer MLB players. No, that's what it seems like, league. right? Right? Like it's, maybe he's a total scumbag. That would be crazy. That like that's what my friend, one of my friends said to me. He was like, "It would be crazy if Freddie Freeman turned out to be a bad guy after uh, all that." Like I just don't see it, man. I, I really do not right. see it. I think Ronald Acuna. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, maybe he felt like. I mean, look, some of these guys, I think part of the problem, and I'm not saying anything about Ronald Acuna, but if you're a rookie and you do come in with kind of an ego and, you know, you get reality checked in the situation that no matter what you are, like in an MLB clubhouse, you're a rookie. you got to pay your dues. you got to, you know, earn the respect. If you come in with the ego thinking you're this, you're the superstar and that you're better than everyone, you know, it, it may cause you to think like that. And I'm not saying that's what happened at all, but, you know, just kind of a, a thought of potentially why. I mean, it's it just – that was very perplexing. Um, I mean, you heard Freddie say, you know, he loves Ronald. His whole family loves Ronald. You know, he didn't really understand why Ronald was saying this stuff. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Ronald, maybe Ronald's just bitter because he's locked up on, you know. I mean, Ronald Acuna still, at the end of the day, has like a $100 million contract. So I don't feel too bad for him, but obviously he's potentially missing out on, you know, a few hundred million dollars potentially. I mean, I don't know. Crazy. I mean, what do you think about the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I just think like this is the first like losing on a few hundred million dollars is crazy to like think about. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, realistically, it probably did. But once he a free agent, Ronald Acuna. I'm not sure. No, no, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. I mean, I kind of think this the, the, this whole situation like if it is true, then it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. Like, I just don't know. Like. I'm just bewildered. Sorry, I'm focusing on a totally wrong aspect of this, but I'm bewildered that he tried to deny it on Twitter after he was like, after he said it in Spanish. Does he think that people can't speak and translate Spanish? I don't, I don't really understand that. But yeah, uh, I, I think if it is true, like, like I, I just think like Freddie is such. I just can't imagine it being true. Cause yeah, I can't. Like I can imagine that my, my my guess of what's going on really is like they just didn't like they weren't close probably like they probably just didn't have a great relationship and like yeah it's probably like I, his original response really was just like are you gonna miss Freddie Freeman and Ronald King was like nah 
And like, I think that was probably like, then they kept asking questions. I think that's essentially like the general sentiment probably from both of them is that sort of that. And the Braves were content with, you know, getting a great replacement and giving Okuni the keys. And I guess like, that's the case. That's not a bad way to trade. You know, it's not a bad way to take your, uh, take your franchise. So. I looked up the, uh, the Ronald Acuna contract, eight years, a hundred million. He signed through 2026 and there's a 27 and 28 team option. I mean, they just took that man's career essentially. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I mean, he'll get a lot of money. He'll get, he'll get a lot of money first. Yeah. But I mean, no, but no, I know five years from now. I mean, I mean, you don't want to take that. I mean, if you're the Braves, they, I mean, man, crazy. And that's why you see Juan Soto not signing one of these stupid deals because he's just like, I'm going to get $500 million. And Juan Soto, will, Juan Soto is going to have the richest contract in MLB history, I think, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, without question. All right. I think um, one last topic I have on my mind before we jump to the NBA, I do want to touch on the Los Angeles Angels. Um, I mean, Mike Trout, we did see him hit a home run last night. Noah Syndergaard looked very good. He pitched, I believe, like five and a third scoreless. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on the uh, – oh, Carlos Carrasco, it seems, has given up a home run to yeah, Nelson that's Cruz. That's a surprise. <laughs> a shocker whatsoever. Um Good guy. Carlos Carrasco, I just think he's lost it, to be honest. I don't think he has the uh, the juice anymore. Um, all righty. Um, I mean, the Angels, we talked about them. Neither of us had them in the playoffs when we predicted it. What do you think? I mean, after seeing them play the Astros, I believe they're one and two. I mean, they played all right, but, you know, what do you think? You think this team is uh, capable of winning or – you know, no, like obviously that, that, that's a different question than do I think they're going to win. Well, what do you think? I mean, yes, but what do you think after you know watching them for a few games? I mean, do you think this team has has yeah, potential I mean, to? I think they're you can go. I think it was, it was just lagging for a sec. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Oh, yeah, that's a little. Weird. Uh, I mean, I think like I said, it all depends on the pitching. Can you know they they they're relying obviously on something that I don't think it's going to happen to happen, which is Noah Syndergaard transforming back to his old self. Obviously, they gave him $21 million this year to do that. Um, it's just kind of crazy, but uh, I, I don't well. I mean, yeah. he pitched well last night, but at the end of the day, it's five and a third innings, and he only had one strikeout. So that, to me, is like a little alarming because this guy used to be able to blow hitters yeah. away, and if, if he doesn't have that X factor anymore, I mean – like, yeah, last night could have been an example of where he was just, you know, getting outs and balls were, you know, falling in the right spot for the Angels. But, you know, Noah Syndergaard only having one strikeout is definitely kind of alarming. And, and I mean, his velo is definitely not what it once was. What was that sigh for? Back-to-back uh, hits. Hoskins at 107, Castellanos at 103, both outs. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Um, all right. Brutal. I think with that, uh, we will. Oh, all right. Let's do. Um, I said we'll do some award predictions. So we'll just do the main four um, MVP, yeah. Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. Um, we will start with, start with Manager of the Year. Um, AL Manager of the Year. What do you say? I say. <laughs> and this is totally neat. None of us have thought about any of this. So this is just off the, the dome. I'll go Cora. Alex Cora. Interesting. I'm going to go for 
forget his. Oh God, did he give him another home run? Oh no. Um, what's the manager? Charlie Montano, I believe, is the Blue Jays manager. Uh, Montano. Montoya. 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 Something like that. Yeah. That's who I. I think the Blue Jays are going to be really good, and I think he'll. uh, I think he'll get the the manager of the year award. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hard one to predict. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, you know, we'll do it anyway. Uh, NL manager of the year. Uh, what do you got? Uh, definitely not Joe Girardi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go. Um, I have the Braves to these. I'll go Brian Snicker. Brian Snicker. Um, Snicker does not look like he should be managing baseball. That's all I have to say about <laughs> Brian Snicker. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Uh, I want to pick Dave Roberts, but like he's got such a good team, it's like I can. Dave Roberts is Dave Roberts is not like he should not be considered for any type of award. <laughs> um, oh, man, I don't think I don't think it's gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with Dave Roberts, man. And these awards <laughs> are just so weird. Always, I mean, I like yeah, I want. Yeah. I would. I can't give it to Joe Girardi. I'm not gonna give Buck Showalter. I don't think will win it because the Mets have such a stacked roster already. Padres, like eh, Braves, are like the Cardinals. Like I'm not gonna give it to that guy. I, I'm gonna go with Dave Roberts. I, I just that right. we'll move on from managers here. What do you think <laughs> about AL rookie? Of the year? I'll go with Bobby Witt junior to be honest obviously it's close between him and Tarkleson, but I'll go, I'll go with Bobby Witt I think he's been and Julio Rodriguez could be yeah and Julio Rodriguez, and Julio Rodriguez but uh like I'll just say because he's had a really hot start so I'll go with Bobby Witt. that's who I have to I think Bobby Witt is a, a true superstar um I mean this AL group of talent that's debuting this year is uh it's amazing I mean it really is compared to the NL I mean the NL really you know, I, I'm already thinking about NL Rookie of the Year, and I really don't have a name <laughs> in mind. I got to go. Um, I'm going to back my guy. I'm going to back my guy. I'll go with I'll go with Bryson Stott. Just Bryson to, Stott. Mm. I'll back my guy, but it'll, it'll probably end up being Seiya Suzuki if we're being honest. Oh, I forgot about him. But, yeah, yeah. but I'm going to back. I'll back. I'll back the Phillies guy. But the smart pick would be Suzuki. I'm trying to think. Like C.J. Abrams is there, but I don't think he's going to get enough playing time to like be rookie of the year. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go say a Suzuki. I mean, that's a good one. I, I think that is a, I think it's a safe bet. Um, I mean, I really can't think of many rookies right now in the NL. AL Cy Young of the Year. What do you have? Cy Young of the Year. Right. Jesus. AL Cy yeah, Young. MVP or Cy Young. My bad. My bad. Cy Young. Did you say Cy, Cy Young? Young. Uh, let's see. I'll go. God, you really put me on the spot here. There's so many. Do you want? I'll go Shane Bieber. I guess I'll go Shane Bieber. Shane I guess. Bieber. I guess to safe pick. The AL is tricky. It's, there's not like a clear number one. I mean, you look and would think Garrett Cole, but then I mean, I just have not seen anything no. from Garrett Cole that I've enjoyed. Um, let's think here. Um. Let's go. I'm gonna go with Kevin Gosman. No, that's a bad pick. You can't go with him. He's not that good. Um, ah, this is tough. It really is. The AL is weird. AL is really weird. Yeah, it is. Um, 
Giolito would have been a good shot, but he's hurt. Yeah, Giolito's hurt. Um, man. Garrett Cole really should win, like, the Cy Young every year in this league. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it, it is – there's really not the level of starting pitching that uh, is in the NL. Um, screw it. I'll go with Kevin Gosman. Why not? I don't even know how he pitched in this first game, but hopefully good. Let's see if I can find the box score. Um, all right. With that NL Cy Young, uh, what do you think? Um, it's Jacob DeGrom if he's healthy, but is he going to be healthy enough? I don't think he's going to pitch enough. I think he's not coming back to like June-ish. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go with Corbin Burns, I guess. Again. And El Cy Young. I'm going to go with... The NL is just loaded. This is a completely yeah, different it thought. It's like there's so many guys. Where's the AL? It's like, who of the few guys is going to win it? Um, NL Cy Young Award winner. I'm going to go with Zach Wheeler, if we're being honest. I'm going to go with Zach Wheeler. I think Wheeler is a, a true stud. Um, AL MVP. Uh, I'll go with Rafi Devers. Yes. I'm it's going Vlad. Guerrero Jr. Yeah, he'll probably get his after. Uh, I think he is just a absolute superstar. Um, and NL MVP. Um, All right. Uh, I'll say Soto, even though I want a Bryce repeat. Yeah, I've won Soto too. I mean, I think he's just on another level. The They're going to give it to him. They're going to give it to him just because he didn't win it last year. He's like, do yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things where. Yeah, but uh, why doesn't the NBA do that? Why doesn't the NBA do that? <laughs> Oh, good God. All right. Well, that will do it for uh, this week's talk of MLB. I mean, I'm sure next week we might talk about the Mets Philly series and, you know, we'll, we'll probably touch on it some, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll try and touch on MLB as much as we can, but we are going to try and, you know, start focusing on the draft these next few weeks and, and the NBA playoffs as well. So, um, you know, MLB, we're, we're going to talk about it, but probably not as much as we did today per se. Uh, but with that, we'll shift to the NBA playoffs. I mean, I think every team has one game left at this point. Um, The only thing that really matters in the East at this stage is if Celtics lose to the Grizzlies and the Sixers beat the Pistons and the Sixers are the three seed. But if the Celtics win, then uh, yeah, the Celtics are the four seed or the Celtics are the three. The play in two is the, 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 uh, yeah, is undecided still very undecided still. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um, I mean, these, these, I'll be honest. I mean, the NBA playoffs right now, it's very interesting. I think the East is, is extremely interesting. I'll be honest. I think the West is, uh, I think the Phoenix Suns are going to make the NBA finals with ease um, if they are healthy. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't think there's another team in that, in that, in that conference that can stop them. I, I think, think they are. Just, I think a healthy, I think a healthy Warriors team is definitely capable, but I think. They haven't played healthy. They played one game healthy together, like like one game healthy together so far, which is crazy. The whole year, like Steph is really hurt, though. I don't think he's going to be able to get back to one hundred percent. Like I agree about the Suns. I think 
the West is definitely like I think a lot of their records are inflated funny enough because like they're playing yeah. against each like it's kind of it's kind of weird to say, but like I think the records are close, but to me the West is not even close to the caliber of the East. Like yeah, you know, I mean you have you look teams, at the look at the four teams above five hundred in the East playing. So like I think ten seed the ten seed in the West right now is thirteen games under five hundred. Yeah, and like <laughs> like there's so much to talk about with the NBA because we haven't really done it a lot on this podcast. But yeah, what do you want to talk about? I think What's like your... the storyline just starting. I, I I think we can talk about like legitimate contenders in the East. I think that's definitely the most interesting storyline. And then we can shift to a little MVP talk, maybe. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I know your opinion. You think Joel should uh, should win? I think it's just the NBA MVP. Like Jokic is going to win, and I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. But like, I just stupid things where it's just let, let, let they me have you their guy, and it's like that's who's going to win it no matter what happens. Basically, dude, so like, let me let me tell you something. So like. You, I, I'm not dismissing. I've actually, you know, advocated for analytics and advanced stats in the past on the podcast. Like, I think like they're, they're good, but like, like a lot of Jokic fans advocate this thing called Raptor, like this advanced stats called Raptor. So like, that's how, you know, it's already bad. Cause it's called Raptor. And like, mm-hmm. they, they, it, but it's like on like their, his like official stat report, like this, that, like this same stat. Okay. The same stat Raptor has rookie Jokic. Okay. Not current Jokic, rookie Jokic as a better player and defender and defender and player as current Giannis right now, MVP candidate Giannis, Giannis. I just think like some of these stats are ridiculous and they're being like, to me, I'm mad just because it's such an inaccurate reflection of history. Like I think the fact that there's a chance he's going to end up on second team, which is absolutely ridiculous if they just don't make him give him a forward spot. Joel. Yeah. I think like, have they had two centers ever on the, no, but they make positional exceptions all the time. Like DeMar DeRozan doesn't play forward, and they're going to give him a forward spot so they can get him on first team probably. I don't think he's going to make first team. No, no, no. I don't second. think so. You don't think? I no, think... I'll probably make second team. No, no. Because, I mean, let... no, first no, no. team. The first team the... should be, should be, should be Luka, Devin Booker, Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic, in my opinion. I think if you're going to do that, you have to have Embiid and Jokic. If that, let's say Embiid is not – they put him on second team, which would be a joke to have. But who would you put? Would you would put DeRozan or LeBron? I I think you got to no, put LeBron. LeBron. No, LeBron played fifty six games. I don't know. No, LeBron, you can't. He he, you can't have a team. That so won. where would you put LeBron? Second team then? No, I would have LeBron probably on third team, and I'm a big really? LeBron guy, as you know. But I would probably have him on third team. Um, I guess my. I think Pascal Siakam should probably make it over LeBron, to be honest. <laughs> Griff, Griff. LeBron averaged 30 a game on, like, like LeBron had a very – His team also had 30 wins. That wasn't his fault, per se. That was not LeBron James' fault. I mean, this no, team was bad. But you can make – yes, but he wasn't – once he realized how trash his team was, he just concentrated all of his energy on scoring. Like, and beat his – like – all right, let me get back. Embiid's to also like seven, eight years younger than LeBron. No, 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 no. I'm not making it. A, I, like I'm just getting back to my Embiid propaganda. Like let me spread my. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna spread my my gel Embiid propaganda here. I just most forty and ten. I just think it sucks that that, that such an like though like that season that he just had is an MVP season. Like that's an M. I just don't. The the thing that annoys me about Jokic fans, I think, is like they pretend that. 
Embiid is not even in like the same realm. Like Embiid and Giannis both are not even in the same realm as Jokic, like as players. And like that couldn't be further from the truth. Like these advanced stats that they're using, what they do is a, a rebound, an assist from a center counts four times as much as an assist from a point guard. So hypo- mm-hmm. like I'll give you an example. So like, and it, and it works the same way on defense. Like a steal is like four times as valuable as a block for a center. So like, I'll give you an example. So if you just did the thing where if you just hypothetically switched Kyrie Irving's uh, position to center, like if that was just the case and you just made that arbitrary and did that, then in the 2016 finals, he would have hired their favorite defensive stat to highlight that they claim they claim that Jokic is a better defender than Embiid. They cite this stat called defensive win shares. And defensive win shares currently this like would have had Kyrie Irving as a better defender than LeBron James in the 2016 finals. It also claims that this season Steph Curry is a better defender than Joel Embiid. Like this is a bull, like they're using these bullshit stats that aren't real. And they're giving yeah. him the, I don't understand is there was this sudden you mentioned it, but like there was this sudden narrative shift like three weeks ago. Like it seemed like Embiid was the favorite all year long. And then all of a sudden, like the odds just shifted for no reason. I don't get I, I don't get it. I, I, I think like Embiid has been consistently dominant all year long. And since he was out for nine games with COVID, he's averaging 32, 14, and four on 63% true shooting percentage. That's it, ridiculous. How is that not going to win MVP? I, I don't get that. And I, I think, get, you know, look, Jokic, listen, the other the thing is, I, Jokic and Giannis are both having MVP years, but I think like people try to discredit Embiid way too much. They say, oh, he's a free throw merchant, this free throw merchant, that. Like, I just don't. Like nobody, the reason he shoots so many free throws is because nobody can guard him. And the only reason people complain about he, him shooting free throws is because like, he makes them at such a high clip. You've never seen a big man that gets the line at, at such a high clip and can make 85% of his free throws. It doesn't happen. And people, because he makes so much and is so consistent about it, like, I don't get it. And like, I, people are, are pointing to this loss against the Bucks that Embiid can't compete with Giannis. Like Embiid beat Giannis without Harden before the before the All Star break. He put forty two and ten on his head. I don't, I don't understand it. Like Embiid dominates the best defenses in the NBA consistently. He had, he had a forty point triple double on Allen and Mobley when they were both healthy, who as you know are one of the elite defensive combinations in the NBA. I just don't. I think Joe Embiid gets discredited way too easily in the, in these conversations, and I don't understand really what's what, what's happened for this to go from a neck and neck and neck and neck race to a Jokic blowout. That's that's my gripe. I don't understand how it went from neck and neck to Jokic blowout. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at his stats right now. I mean, Nikola Jokic. I didn't even realize 27 years of age. He's still so young. It's insane. Um, he went in the same draft. He went in the same draft as Embiid, funny enough. Embiid went three. He went 41. Obviously, the greatest draft steal to ever to ever live. But, yeah. Do you think the greatest draft steal in NBA history, you'd say? I think without Probably a doubt. Probably one of them. He's won an MVP, without a doubt. That's true. That Jokic is, is older. Jokic, Embiid is 11 months older than Jokic. So, they're, they're not that. They're not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, look, I think you look at Nikola Jokic. I mean, I think it's an unfortunate situation because, like you said, these three guys – and there's guys like Devin Booker who like is having a, an incredible, incredible yeah. season. Jason Luka. Tatum and Luca, and these guys aren't even, you know, they can't even qualify to get in the conversation. It's insane. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, Jokic, I mean, I think he, I think that, you know, the MVP at this point has become a stats award. If I'm being honest, I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, you look at the James Harden when, when he averaged 34 was the year he won like MVP, yeah, right? 
No, he averaged 36 and 10 and 8 and didn't win MVP. And Giannis won it. Okay, so I guess <laughs> well, I was how wrong. crazy is that? But, how crazy? I mean, I think that you look at Nikola Jokic, and I guess, you know, he's a little more efficient from the field, obviously. Um, you know, he, he's a better passer. Rebounds are pretty similar. Scoring, you know, you give Embiid the edge. I mean, I just it's think- really tough because, I mean, the whole nature of the MVP award, it, it's just become a disaster because LeBron James should have won so many more MVPs yeah. in recent years. I mean, just so many more. Um, and, I mean, look, Nikola Jokic, I mean, I, I think if – let's say you actually look at the true definition of the word, of the award, most valuable player. If you take Jokic off the Nuggets and Embiid off of the Sixers, I think the Nuggets would be in a worse situation. So if you actually look at the definition of the word, you can understand Nikola Jokic. But I agree. I mean, I think, I think but before that, I think it's a really close. I mean, I'll be honest, I probably haven't watched enough of these two to give an actual a legitimate opinion on it. Um, I think like Giannis is sort of in this like LeBron type of situation where he's definitely good enough to win it. It's just like it's they just don't want to give him it every year. Yeah. yeah. And look, like it's almost like like and obviously like if Kevin Durant had been healthy for long enough, like he'd be in this like he'd be in an MVP conversation easily. Like I think like like the sheer like there is almost I would argue in the mid two thousand tens. A little when the Warriors and Cavs are dominating, I think like there was a little bit of a secondary talent drop off, like in the NBA yeah. between like the late, the early 2010s and like the early 2020s. But now, like to me, I know if you know if there are any uh, old heads, I guess pissing off. Like to me, like there are too, there's too much talent in this league right now. Like you meant, like these guys are all capable of winning an MVP any any yeah. day. Devin Booker makes shots at a clip that that's like illegal. Like he is his improvement. Like he was a great player, but like playing with Chris Paul has elevated this guy to a new level. Like, and we're going to, I'm going to talk about the Phoenix Suns real quick. Like Chris Paul to me, I, I'm a big Chris Paul guy, unfortunately. And it's hard to defend it sometimes because he doesn't do a lot of winning in the playoffs, but like this guy has been on four different teams and gotten four different teams, their franchise win record. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I, he would probably be an NBA champion had he not gotten hurt against the Warriors, unfortunately. But I, I, I think, like the, that, that, that backcourt is is probably going to win an NBA championship this year. They got another year to gel together. Their depth pieces are much better, like I th- than last year. I think this is an elite, elite team, and I think like it, it's going to they're going to have a massive advantage in, over the East team in the finals because I think the secondary Western teams are good, but like you wouldn't put money on the Mavs or the Grizzlies to go do anything serious. Like there's really only one other team, if they're healthy, that can challenge the Suns and that's the Warriors. And I think despite, you know, a little bit of anti-Jokic bias, like the other team that would be in that conversation, if they were fully healthy would obviously be the Nuggets because Murray and, but they're not. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether Jamal Murray will be able to recover from that next year. But I think definitely like, I have no idea who's going to come out of the East right now. I would probably say Milwaukee, unfortunately, if I had to lean towards anybody, but I, I really have no idea who's going to come out of the East. And, you know, that Brooklyn, that Brooklyn Milwaukee matchup is almost a hundred percent likely at this point, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to maybe see the Nets tank their seven, eight game to get the heat instead of the, uh, uh, of the, of the Bucks. I think the Bucks are trying to tank today, actually. The Bucks, I think are against, or whenever they, I think they play Cleveland, right? Right. So I've already seen Serge Ibaka is not playing. I'm sure no, Giannis is not going to play. 
they're all tanking, but I like the Bucks are going to be the two seed, I believe. I believe if the Celtics or Sixers win, lose are either of those teams ahead of the Bucks? No, it's got to be one of them. We can't be ahead of the. We can't be ahead of the Bucks. So the Celtics would then be probably the Celtics must because I'm sure. So, but the Celtics are. So the Celtics are fucked either way. Listen, sorry. The Celtics are fucked either way. Because listen, they either have to play Brooklyn in the first round or they have to go to Toronto and they have to choose what they want to do. And the issue with that, Griffin. They play the Bulls. The big issue with that. No, no. Or, or the second round. They either have to play the Nets in the second or they have, they either have to play the Nets or no, no, no. Because they can drop. Because if we beat the Pistons and they lose, we take theirs. We, we, we jump them. So they'd either have to play the Raptors. And there's a lot of speculation that when the report about the Sixers and the Celtics broke about, obviously, so, uh, people don't know like unvaccinated players aren't allowed to cross the border. It's going to be an issue for the it's going to be an issue for the Yankees too during the baseball. Oh, the season. Yankees are screwed. Yeah, it's going to be a big issue for the Yankees during the baseball season. Um, and Matisse Thibel obviously turns out no one knew who the unvaccinated player on the Sixers was, and now we know, unfortunately. So the Sixers are really trying to avoid that because they don't want to play without Matisse Thibel. And it's that is he confirmed unvaccinated. Yeah, because he and, apparently, then then we have to try to win tonight, and you have to hope for a Grizzlies loss because the speculation is Griffin that is Jaylen tonight Brown, the last night of the NBA in the yeah, regular season. Yeah, wow. And the speculation is Griffin that Jalen Brown and Al Horford are both not vaccinated, and the Boston Celtics could be in a lot, a lot of trouble against a very good Toronto Raptors team in the first round. So we'll Dude, see. What they, we'll, we'll see what they choose to do. We'll see if if they want if they want to take. You know, there, there's sort of a ripple effect. If the Bucks win, then the Celtics will try to win 100%. But if the Bucks lose, who knows? You know, like, who knows what the Celtics are going to want? My guess is that they'd probably still opt for Toronto over Brooklyn, but we'll see. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy that uh, this situation is coming down to a uh, vaccine. I mean, it, it's like... It's a, just... It is a little different than the Brooklyn thing, just because it's different countries, and we have the same, like... No, no, no. I understand that. I understand that. I, I'm not saying like, like I, I'm I, saying I, it's I, just like the reality is just insane. Yeah, it's like crazy. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, we know Trevor's story because he had to sign in the AL East. Like, the Red Sox made him get vaccinated beforehand, which is kind of, you know, we, we like, I don't know if you saw that story, but yeah, I, I did see that. I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, they're I committing wonder, like, I just million dollars to him. Like, I'm, I, I just wonder, like, I'm not like, I'm the furthest thing from trying to get political. <laughs> don't, 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 don't uh, take me wrong. I just wonder if like the, the these orgs are going to be like, like, I wonder what, the, what's going to happen. Like, are the Celtics really going to go play without Brown and Horford? If that's the case in a playoff series, like, like you said, the reality of that is stunning. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's unfortunate, I think for the NBA, I mean, you want all the best players playing and you don't want yeah. something oh, like yeah, this affecting um, the outcomes here. Um, but I mean, we will see, obviously that is a, a potential really bad situation. I mean, I, I think the whole, honestly, the most fascinating thing in the East right now is how the Miami heat just are never in any discussion and they are just the ones. I mean, it's kind of crazy. People really do sleep on the Miami heat and I don't think they're going to come out of the East, but I think this is a team that a lot of people are forgetting about. And I think, I mean, I do believe that team is more than capable of making a potential run. I mean, they've got a lot of good. Pieces. I'm in agree. Listen, I, I'm in agreement with you definitely, and I think I actually am. I think the Heat definitely. I, I, it's just going to be tough for them because I just think that their top level guys aren't as good as the other top level guys. Like Jimmy's a great player, but like 
you're never going to get play like bubble Jimmy Butler again. Like that was a different, that's, that's not the player he is anymore. And he's still a great player. Like he's still an all NBA level player. He's just not going to be, you know, like the guy. And he's not as good as a Jason Tatum or a Kevin Durant. Embiid has won the scoring title officially. Yeah, it says. yeah because of John, this is sitting out. So, yeah, I mean, listen. Or the, Bucks, the Bucks are really tanking, man. Yeah, they're tanking, yeah. Uh, it's crazy what's going on, though. But the, the Celtics are faced with, you know, shit option number one or shit option number two. Which one are they going to take? We'll see. Um, I, I, I do wonder. I just think. Like that's uh, huge for the Cavs, though, that the Bucks are tanking. Like, that is the craziest thing about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Cleveland right now, with a loss, could go down to the nine or ten seed in, in the yeah. play in and then have to win two games. Obviously, yeah, I don't I know if they'll be Brooklyn. You. I feel bad for you guys because the seeding is so not indicative of what your season was before those guys went down. Yeah. I mean, it Allen's been out like the whole second half. I mean, that's just been and they've Levert's been out for a lot of time. Marketing's missed time. Mobley missed time. I mean, it's just like it happens at the end of the day. Still an unbelievable season for the Cavs, no doubt. Yeah, and JB Bickerstaff is a great coach. Although, yeah, no, no. Um, I, I think like with regards to Miami Heat, I think that just the concern is like there are nights where like the Sixers do this too, but the, the Heat to a crazy extent is where it's just like you just don't like you just don't believe that they have a guy that can get them like back into the game and like yeah. Like they're strong though. They're they're a great team. Like any of these top, like I think. I I mean I think the Bucks should probably be the the favorites right now to come out of the East. Um, I think Giannis is probably still the best player in the East. I think Embiid and KD are tailing him close behind, but like I think he's probably still the best player in the East. I think. Holiday and middle, like Drew Holiday is a weapon. That man is one of the best point guards in the NBA. The best. Yeah, um, he really is. And I, I was funny you say that because I was watching a, uh, it was like a Carl Anthony Towns like reaction type video to uh, this YouTuber, uh, Jadeon's video or something. He was I, at a box. Yeah. I was just some, stumbled upon it and I was watching it. And Drew Holiday hit some like, you know, he, he did some, you know, reverse layup. And Carl Anthony Towns paused the video and he's like, this dude is one of the best players in the NBA. Like, I think Drew Holiday is like, he's one of those guys that you see the contract and you're yeah, like, what like, the hell? But he nah, is yeah, he such was, a baller and he's really nah, yeah. he's I loved your so Holiday. key for them. Dude, he was an all star with the, when he was on the Sixers. That's what you know about that. You know about the pre processed Sixers? Wow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the pre processed Sixers. Uh, nah, he's a beast. And I think, like, what really changed the trajectory of the Bucks season because they were struggling for a while in the middle of the season. Brooke Lopez has come back and he is been absolutely great on both ends of the floor like i i saw the buck sixers game in person he went on a personal 9-0 run against john bead and it wasn't even john bead's fault like this guy was just splashing fadeaway threes from the corner and like they, they just have weapons man and uh look i i think that you know i, I like you guys can kind of sound out based on my predictions but i'm going for a buck suns repeat i have some uh, I, I'll, I'll get to the sixers now uh i guess because this is sort of natural. yeah so I think that the Sixers, at their very best, are definitely uh, – the concern for me is that they really haven't been able to put together a complete complete game. Like, they've played three great quarters against the Nuggets, Suns, and Bucks, who are the three best teams they've played since the Harden trade. Like, they put it together three great quarters, and then they implode in the second half. The, 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 the biggest uh, – I'm so I'll, I'll touch on James Harden 
I'm actually not as concerned with Harden as a lot of Sixers fans are at all. Like he had 22 and 14 yesterday. Like he was fine. Like he's averaging 22 and 10 since he got here. The issue is the backup big man play is disastrous. DeAndre Jordan is actually probably the worst player I've ever seen play for the Sixers. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, Griffin, in our loss to Toronto on Monday, the backup big men sat out. So Embiid plays 37 minutes. And we were we lost by five, and we were minus sixteen in his thirty-seven minutes, uh, in the eleven minutes with him off the floor. Like it's a joke. This team is a joke without him. Like that's the concern, and it's always been. It's what happened to us in twenty eighteen too. Like you have. So I, I just want to remind people, by the way, that Jimmy Butler also struggled massively in the regular season by his standards when he got to Philly, and then was great in the postseason, which is actually what I'm predicting for Harden even though, you know, he's not the greatest postseason performer ever. I think Harden's going to be fine in the postseason personally. Like we have 120 offensive rating with him on the floor, which would be like, which is like a historic rate. It's number one in the NBA by far. And like, that's with him, like being like fat, washed, you know, not being able to shoot. And he can't shoot the ball right now. Like that's the main difference. Like the threes just aren't falling for him. Like they were when he first got here. And I think that'll start to happen. But the, the main concern for the Sixers, I think, I think their limit is just like Daryl Morey, like, we didn't do enough post deadline like that after hour, the deadline where we should have been acquiring a wing, maybe flipping, you know, Danny or, you know, now we know about Thibel if he wasn't, that's why Brooklyn obviously didn't want him. We talked about at the time, the Matisse Thibel versus Seth Curry aspect in the trade. Now we know why Brooklyn didn't want him. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I, I think they're his failure to flip him for another wing instead of we have. So I don't know if you've seen Sixers tweeting about this. We have four backup centers on the roster and so the one that Doc likes the most is DeAndre Jordan. And DeAndre Jordan is just washed, man. Like, nah, it, it's to an extent where it's like, I don't understand how an NBA coach is playing him, but he's actually been replaced the last two games with Paul Reed, who's a second year player. And it's going to be really interesting if they rely on such a young guy in the playoffs. I would be really surprised. Sixers fans have been advocating for, for a while. I'd be really surprised. But look, I think that the Sixers, if they get a path of Toronto and the Miami Heat, I'm going to pick them to go, to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know a lot of people think they're going to struggle against Toronto. Look, I don't see the Toronto Raptors beating us four times in seven games. I, I really don't. I don't see Joel Embiid allowing that to happen. Like Joel Embiid, I understand he gets a bad playoff rep, and he was great in the playoffs last, last year, by the way. Uh, not his fault. We lost it all. Uh, I, I think, like – Joel Embiid is too great of a player to allow them to lose to a team like Toronto four times in seven games. I think the Miami series will be tough, but I think we're ultimately a better team than them. Like I think the Sixers, like Doc Rivers is not good enough to win this team a championship, but that's what people said about Mike Budenholzer last year. We'll see. I mean, I, my thing is I would either want a first round loss. I would rather take a first round loss than a second loss round loss. And my official prediction as of right now is a Bucks Sixers Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but I think, like, it's just going to be tough for them to beat a team with the Bucks. And uh, people are talking about this Harden extension thing. Should they pay him? Should they not? None of it matters until you see his performance in the playoffs because yeah. it's so obvious that, like, he's not trying. Like, it is. Like, he's not trying. Like, he was trying his first 10 games he was here, and he's sort of been coasting since then. And I kind of think this – idea of like he's completely washed like I just don't agree with that at all and I think it's an easy narrative to push but like I, I I'm not as negative as other Sixers fans I still have a lot of optimism heading into the playoffs definitely not where I would like the team to be and I think a lot of that is a mistake in, in, in bench roster construction but at the end of the day it really if James Harden more, more all of that being said if James Harden morphs into true superstar James Harden 
I think the Sixers have a chance of potentially walking this Eastern Conference. But if he's, you know, what he is now, I, I you know, I, I think I think it's going to be really tough for them to advance to, you know, past the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I think uh, I, just don't, I, I just don't think Harden is at that level that he, he just was in Houston. Um, I don't think he's washed. Like, I, I don't think he's bad per se. I think he's still an all-star caliber player, but I don't think he's like a superstar at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't think like, he's one of the best players in the NBA at the moment. Nah, I, I would say like right now, I'd probably have him somewhere in like the 20 to 25 range. In terms yeah, of- and that's just the reality. And and like you said, I mean, it makes the whole long-term extension thing because this guy's going to want a super max type deal. And it's like, yeah, if you it's really want to give him it's all dependent on the playoff play. Like you can't, like, I'm not going to say anything now. If he plays like shit in the playoff, like that's, it's a whole different discussion. You know? Yeah. Like, it's tough though, because I think that, you know, obviously if he plays good and like you, you feel like they have to almost extend him after trading for him and, and giving up what they gave up. But like, if they give him a five-year deal or something like that, of that nature, like it's going to be a bad few years at the end of that contract. Like he, he's going to, I don't, you know, Russell Westbrook really had a rough year. I don't know if that will happen in James Harden, but I could see him really like having a kind of tough regression that really hits him hard because you're already seeing in the shooting. Like you said, I mean, you said it yourself, like the threes right now are not quite there. Like he hasn't kind of been there. He's not, he's not shooting the ball like he used to. Let's just say, I mean, it's just the fact. It's the shooting, you know, it's the shooting. And I think like the other thing that's really interesting though, Griff is like, like he needs a full summer of recovery. Cause like, I'm going to say something and like, you got to follow me because Chris Paul had this exact same injury down to the core and people, he had a really bad 1920 season. That's the summer he was traded for Russell Westbrook, actually, or he had a really bad 18, 19 season. Excuse me. That's the summer he was traded for Russell Westbrook, which turned out to be obviously disaster for the Rockets. And Chris Paul has rebounded. We mentioned, you know, into a top 15 all NBA caliber player, like who's, who's transforming the Suns. Like, I think this dude, like, I think first off, we've talked about it before. Like there's a whole new definition of prime for athletes. I think Um, like, I think he needs a full summer of recovery first off, but first I want to see how he plays in the playoffs because the one thing I won't do for now is write the Sixers off, but I definitely think it's going to be tough for them to, to climb that mountain in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think the last kind of topic we, I feel like we've covered really everything. I think real quick, if we just touch on the Lakers, that'd just be a good finish to the, uh, the NBA. I mean, I, yeah, for sure. I mean, what, this, what a nightmare of a season. I mean, look, you can look at the injuries and say that, you know, LeBron missed, you know, 25 plus games or whatever he missed, and, and AD missed, uh, you know, a gazillion games. But I mean, I, I'm not even focused on what happened with the Lakers, but where do they go from here? Because obviously, you know, LeBron is going to be, you know, entering what, third, age 37, age 38 season. AD's coming off of a nightmare year with injuries. Russell Westbrook's likely to accept that player option, but it doesn't seem like they want him back. They've got all these veterans going to hit free agency. I mean, it really seems like this team is in a spot where I don't know where they go from here because I don't, I don't think that they can build a roster that can truly win a championship with what they have their resources. I mean, it's, it's really a bad situation. No, and, and, and the thing is like, not only did they trade AD to be like this, centerpiece next to LeBron, obviously. Like they traded him AD to be the guy who was going to lead the next generation of the Lakers yeah. to it. He's not good enough for that. This guy is not a 1A player. You saw what a 1A you see what a 1A big man I think was. he was, but I think now he's definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. Like uh, like I think like 
But AD at his peak was still not even close to what Embiid and Jokic are. And Giannis. No, I agree with that. I agree like, with that. I'm not saying. I mean, Embiid and Jokic are like two of the greatest centers in the past 20 years. I mean, those yeah. guys are unreal. Like, yeah, like, and I think, like, sorry, not, and I'm not engaging. Like Anthony Davis, of course, his peak was unbelievable. Like, I think, like, this guy, they screwed themselves massively because AD, like, they paid him, and you know, he was supposed to be the guy who's going to lead the next generation of Lakers, and he, they're they're not going to be able to do it. They have no draft picks. Taylor Horton Tucker is terrible. The fact that he was hyped up just shows like that the Lakers have such a grip on the league. It's crazy. Kendrick Nunn didn't even play. He's going to walk somewhere in free agency. Malik Monk is a nothing player. Like, I don't get this. I don't get what this roster construction was because the team last year, I hate breaking news, was actually pretty freaking good. They were up 2-1 on the Suns, leading by 11 before Anthony Davis got hurt. Like, I don't get, I don't get what the Lakers were doing. And I think either they should have ran it back. Like, think about it. They got rid of Caruso and they're paying 40 plus million dollars to Russell Westbrook. Like, or imagine if they had signed DeMar DeRozan, which is what, you know, wanted to come to the Lakers. Like, they had so many options, and they chose the wrong one, unfortunately. Well, yeah. I mean, look, Russell, Russell Westbrook was set this team back. I mean, I think it ended. I think the Russell Westbrook trade closed the Lakers championship window, yeah, if we're being honest. And, like, I, I do want to talk about something else. Is like, even the whole year, like, you saw even a month ago, like, national media members saying like, oh yeah, I would take the Lakers to beat the Suns if they got out of the plan. Like, do you watch basketball? Like even the healthy Lakers weren't that good. Frankie Lindor tied it up. Home run. Sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, Still zero, zero in Phil's days, but yeah. Um, Like, I, I, I think like, like even when they were, this team wasn't that good. And unfortunately it doesn't seem like LeBron is going to be able to stay healthy for an 82 game season anymore, which, isn't a you know it's not not it's crazy expectation for that to be a case, but I you know I, I I just think it's really really tough for for gonna be really really tough for the Lakers to rebound from this, and they don't have the 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 bus you know the bus children the second generation of buses who are now running the team just don't know what they're doing, and um, apparently I don't know if you've seen this like Kurt Rambis has essentially been running the Lakers as like a ghost dictator for like a while and yeah. Kurt Rambis was a horrible mediocre like early 2000s dinosaur coach and I guess he's a Lakers legend from Showtime and all but like I don't they have a guy who's a dinosaur running their franchise and they're gonna hire him to be their next coach because he's gonna hire himself I don't like read about this Kurt Sambis Kurt Rambis situation it's absolutely nuts he has run this team into the ground like people said that LeBron was advocating for this Westbrook trade and he was there's no lie, but like Kurt, like Kurt Rambis, like pushed, like it's crazy how much power this guy's in the most valuable sports organization on the planet. Like it's unreal. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean the Lakers are screwed for a long time because not only do they not have any money, they don't have any picks till 2025. Well, no, they could. If it's not in the top ten this year, they would have their pick. It's gonna be in the top ten though. I think it's going to be like really close. I think that they, I think, uh, let's see, 32 and 40. Is it not lottery? I thought it was. Oh, no, it's, it should be like top seven. It's like right now, I think it's falling. You can get to the seven seed. You can maybe get to to the seven seed, Griff. Griff, Seth Curry not playing today. For Brooklyn? Yeah. So, I mean, that would just give them, I guess, home field. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's a big game for Cavs, but um, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. I think the Lakers are uh, 
I think they're, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think they should trade LeBron James. I think it will never happen, but I think they should try and, and trade LeBron James. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think LeBron James should go back to Cleveland if he has any say. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that that's what's going to happen. I think if you, I think LeBron is definitely, I think you've heard him at the All-Star game. I think he's intrigued by it. I think if you put LeBron James on that Cleveland Cavs team, they are top two team in the East, top three team in the East instantly. Um, I mean, man, I mean, you just look at Evan Mobley, the development that he's likely to see next season. Darius Garland's already an All-Star. Jared Allen's already an All-Star. You've got guys like Karis LeVert, Laurie Markin. I mean, I don't know what they'd have. They'd obviously have to give their whole future for LeBron. And, and I mean, I, I don't think there's a 0% chance of that happening, but I, I just don't see a way this team can recover without trading one of LeBron James or Anthony Davis. And I, I think, I think that I that's the problem like, right now. He's going to take on LeBron's contract though. He's 39. I think Cleveland would, I think Cleveland would, would be the one. Of, I think yeah, I disagree with is, you. What I think, else is, what is, what, what is Cleveland going to give up for that? Like, don't be surprised. Like, like four LeBron first round picks. But also, remember, like, it doesn't matter if the Lakers want to trade LeBron. LeBron trade. LeBron controls where he plays all every season. LeBron. Well, controls. that's what I'm saying. I think that's why I think LeBron, if he's going to go somewhere, he he would go to Cleveland. I think 100%. I think maybe, but I think now it's like more of a last year of his career type of thing. I think he's going to play. My guess is that he wants. I to think. Break, look, I think he loves LA. I don't think he wants. To I think he LA. wants. I think he wants to break Kareem's record in Los Angeles. I think that's his ultimate goal. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the Lakers championship window. I mean, I know we're talking about this a lot. I don't want this drag, um, but I mean, man, the, that window is is shut. I think. I mean, I, Russell Westbrook. I mean, you hear the Hornets are interested in him, I and mean, that would be a, a ho- most Hornets move of all time. Trading for Russell Westbrook, that would be one of the worst moves that franchise could ever make. With the Lamelo Ball there, I mean, what are you thinking? My God, what a nightmare for the Lakers! What a nightmare. All right. With that, uh, we are going to move on. Uh, we got two more topics today um, to talk about. I mean, they're not going to be the longest of topics here, but we'll we'll start here with March Madness, the the final, uh, the final uh, seventy two to sixty nine. I mean, what a game! Kansas made, you know, what a comeback here. Um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about from this game. It's a week, you know, it happened a week ago at this point, though, so we're not going to really talk about it too too much, but. Rob, I mean, your thoughts on the national championship game. Obviously, one of the better national championship games I can remember. A very close game. Um, UNC, though, I mean, that was a choke and a half. Uh, Caleb Love, disastrous performance. Listen, you know, what do, what do you remember, and what, do you, what are your thoughts about the game? Choke and a half. I mean, you're not going to win with Caleb Love shooting that poorly. But at the end of the day, Griffin and I talked about it before, but, that, you know, they sort of live, live by the three, die by the three. And, they, you know, that, that, that – one of those games is bound to happen in the tournament. And it was unfortunate that it was the national championship game, but look, I think there wasn't much separating those teams at the end, you know, UNC didn't get a bad look at the end at all, but UNC was exhausted, man. We talked about yeah. it. The five man rotation like, And at the end of the day, they were hurt. They really were. They were banged up all over the court. Armando Baycott obviously was that loose. I don't know how he made it the whole game. Well, I no. Did believe. you see what happened at the end, though? You see why he ended up going Well, yeah, up? that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I can't believe he oh, made oh, it. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty crazy. Um, and Brady Manick was, like, very clearly playing severely concussed. I can't believe they let him play like play like that, but it was the national championship game, so they let him play. Um, and I think, like, it's just tough when there's injuries and, and, and combination of shooting, when that sort of happens. 
It really is tough. And I mean, Kansas is very well coached. They're a team, I think, like a Villanova who will never give up, never stop like fighting back. And like their shooting in the second half was on like they did not miss from the field in the second half. They had, think about it, they had, uh, sorry, my man, 48 points in the second half. Pretty crazy. Like they were not missing from the field. David McCormick sort of took over that game at a certain point, at the especially at the end. Once you Baycott know, was out, yeah. Yeah, once Baycott was out, David McCormick took that game over. And that was really the difference at the end of the game was, you know, Armando Baycott not being healthy, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of said it in my in my prediction. I mean, I did pick UNC, but I said with with UNC, the key is that rotation ish. Those guys that, that five-man rotation, because Puff Johnson did play a very good game when he was in there, but they need those five guys in there and and Leaky Black early on in that second half had to come out of the game because he got in foul trouble. And that was, you know, as good as Puff Johnson was, that that was a problem for them. I mean, it, it really was. Um, Armando Baycott had to miss some time. Brady Manick was missing minutes in there. I mean, they, it was definitely not ideal for this UNC team. Um, I mean, what a comeback from Kansas. Christian Braun played amazing. David McCormack, like you said, played great. I mean, what a win. Um, I mean, it's it's been a week at this point, so I feel like it's hard to really say much more than that. But uh, a very good game and uh, – you know, UNC, uh, Caleb Luff, I mean, that's a brutal way to end the tournament because, you yeah, know, he, he, sh- he really had a sensational tournament and, you know, he's probably going to be remembered for one of the worst national championship performances of all time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that, we'll move on to our final topic of the day, and that is the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, New Orleans Saints trade, which I actually have to look up. I don't know the full details. Um it's uh, 16. We gave them 16 and 19 for pick 18 and uh, their first rounder next year. Plus, we got a second and a third, and we gave them a third, I think, a couple years. I mean, I, I, I'll i be honest. I really like that trade for Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, I love the trade. Yeah. I mean, you move back. I mean, I guess you give up a first. I mean, the Saints are banking. Here's the Saints are essentially banking on themselves with this trade. Is what they're doing. Um, you know, they they. I mean, no, number sixteen is interesting because, I mean, in my mock draft, I do have that being the. Uh, do the Eagles have fifteen? Is that what they have too? The Eagles have fifteen, right? Uh, yeah, fifteen. Sorry about that, Adam Schefter on in the background. Oh, and I totally forgot. Also, um, you know. Both of us, I think, send our condolences to uh, Dwayne Haskins' family, friends, teammates. Obviously, very tragic. Um, you know, very, I, I loved watching Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, so it's just absolutely horrible what happened to him. And, uh, you know, prayers to him, his, his family and teammates. It's just just awful. So um, unlucky. Jesus. I know. It's it's just horrific. I mean, it seems like he was a great guy. Um Really, you know, questionable tweet from Adam Schefter. Yesterday. I know that's why I remember it because I just heard Adam Schefter's voice. I mean, yeah, I don't know what Adam Schefter was thinking. You gotta, I mean, that guy's had some bad moments. Yeah, um, Adam Schefter. I mean, it, as a person who's trying to go into uh broadcast and, and media for, for a career, um, you know, definitely something to, to <laughs> learn from there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, this trade is uh, I think you know. Philly has 15, right? You said so. Yeah. You know, in, in our mock trust, that's been a spot where Chris Olave is available. And I think that's huge for them because I think, uh, yeah, you they're, know, they're you they're get the ability. They're taking wide receiver with one of those two picks. And I think Philly at that spot, I mean, 16 is an interesting pick because 
I mean, I think, I think it's a good pick. I think there's going to be a lot of guys there, but you know, is that going to be a spot where the saints are looking for Olave or Jamison Williams type player? I mean, I think, I think what, what you're discounting here is they might be getting to load up for a quarterback. They might be going to get up and and get a quarterback. I don't think think so, man, because they just traded a first, they traded a first and a second. They wouldn't, they would have saved that if they were saving up for a quarterback. I don't know. We have to. See. We'll see. I, I, I'm not. I, even, but two first this year is. is, is I a think lot if more I think if Kenny Pickett day. or Malik Willis are there at those picks, I don't think they're. I, I think they take them, but I don't see them trading up for you know losing more draft capital. Um, wow, Vlad Guerrero Jr. 467 foot home run. Um, Christ. Um, but I think New Orleans is betting what? on themselves. The Bills are losing, Griff. Oh no! What's the score? Uh, one out, one out. Sorry, one out. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's not that bad, then, Rob. Um, I think the Saints. I mean, I, it's a good trade. I think for both teams, Saints are betting on themselves and, and betting that that first rounder next year is going to be, you know, similar spot or worse. So, you know, but for the Eagles, I mean, this is another trade that you like because for them, that you know, I, I honestly don't think the Saints are going to be in sensation. I think the Saints are probably going to be a five hundred team to be honest. Which in that case, it's probably a better pick than pick nineteen. Um. So, hey, I think it's a good move for the Eagles. Um, you know, we heard they were trying to do some stuff, but they still have 15 and 18. So they're going to be in business there no matter what. And they have uh, some flexibility, you know, next year for I mean, a quarterback. Yeah, they, this, trade trade, this trade is clearly a CJ Stroud, Bryce Young insurance trade. Like they have two picks and they're going to have that. Or they got a second round pick from the, that. Those first two picks next season. I mean, if let's say. Let's they say Jacksonville's. Play, let's say Jacksonville's really next year, though. Should those two even play next year if they are smart? They will, but they shouldn't because their draft stock's only. And you also have to remember that there's another generational prospect that will that would be at number one in any other draft, and that's Will Anderson, the outside the edge rusher from Bama, who's going to be. Those are almost so. So here's the thing: almost that confirmed it, that those are the top three picks, unless there's another quarterback that emerges, which wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that seemed to happen, but let's say uh, let's say Jacksonville has the number one overall pick again. For the third take, year well, let's say they're really bad. Let, let's because that's a team where it's like because look, the Lions are going to be bad, but obviously they'd pick a quarterback. The uh, you know any team that's so bad, a team that wouldn't take a quarterback, a team right. that's a- you go Will Anderson or at the, because at that point for me, I'm trade. I think you have to trade that pick because I think yeah, it's for one be- of those guys, you're going to get an ungodly. I mean, look at what the look at the trade for the third pick last year for Trey Lance. I mean, I think they'd get an, a a absurd haul for the yeah, number one I overall think, pick next I mean, year. I think, and I think a team like the Eagles, if Jalen Hurts disappoints, which unfortunately my prediction, I don't think he's going to be up to the standard that the Eagles are looking for. Like, like the Eagles, like. Well, not, the, that, that 2023 I, first rounder and 2024 second that. rounder. That's exactly what that, that they exactly got. Because, and let's say Jalen Hurts plus, plays well. They have, now we're stacked. Now, if Jalen Hurts plays well, that's the dream scenario. Because now we're stacked. Like, and ideally, but if not, like they have capital and they're going to go move. Like they're not going to finish. They're not going to be one of the worst five teams in the NFL this year, probably even one of the worst 10. And they're going to have to go up and get, they're going to have to go up and get one of those two guys. And if Jalen Hurts isn't their guy, we've seen how he Roseman do it before going up to get Carson Wentz. They'll go, they'll, they'll go up and get Justin. Fields. I, yeah. I mean, or I mean not Justin Fields, I, sorry, CJ Stroud. They'll go up and get give, I think you're right. two. I mean, already you would have two first next year, a second and, and a second, second for 2024. I think if you gave that second two for first, I think if you gave next year 
the two first, your second, and then that 2024 second, and then maybe you threw in like a third rounder from that year, you could probably pull something off, I think, for sure. I just don't know why they gave us that 2024 second. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, the that's that's an overpay, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Going to be very interesting. Um, but with that, I think that will do it for this week's episode of Outside the Arena. Thank you guys so much for watching. Appreciate it greatly. Like I said in the beginning, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the video. Follow us on Instagram and Outside the Arena Podcast and Apple Podcast and Spotify at Outside the Arena. And with that, take it easy. We'll be back next week with a mock draft and much more. So we'll see you all next week on Outside the Arena.